Welcome to our Bible studies about the message of Hebrews. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, wants to admonish us on one side, and on the other side, he wants to help us to reach the aim, being together with Jesus in eternity. This is a wonderful letter for becoming a strong person in Christ. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to study the biblical book of Hebrews, lesson 5, Jesus the giver of rest. Our memory verse for this week we find in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and there the verse 9. What can we read there? There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. A rest to the people of God. Having peace, 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 peace. That's the desire of our soul. A pastor visited one of his sheep <laughs> in his parish. So one of his members of the church and heard a talk about this and that. And in the end, when the pastor was at the door, the last sentence of the one who had been visited. So what's the most important point in life? Being healthy. And the pastor said, no. Being healthy is not the most important point of life. The most important point is having peace with God. Oh. <laughs> what does it help when you are healthy? One day you will die. And if this is the end of your life, but the death is always the end of your life, or isn't it? No, no. It can be the beginning of another life. Or it will be the end, the end, the end of your life. How, how do you understand that? Well, if you trust in Jesus, he will resurrect you to a new life. With a new body. A body like the angels. Traveling through the universe. Through the universe. Not just one planet. That's nothing. It's important not to die when you die. But to go on living. Because Jesus resurrects you out of the sleep of death. Now when Jesus 
is called the giver of rest. It's not the rest of death, sleeping there, but it's the rest in a psychological sense, getting peace, because he is willing to forgive all the happenings in life which won't allow you to rest. When people are caught by their past, we, we find this someone in, in Bible prominent people, when they have done something in the past which wasn't correct, and then they became prominent, and one day it is shown in the newspaper, on television. This prominent person, ten years back, has done this and that. And then the career is cut forever. It's difficult. It's very difficult to get rest when you're not forgiven. And as soon as you have brought everything to Jesus and he has forgiven, then you find rest. And then you experience such a peace which you cannot explain. It's just getting rid of all the bad happenings in life. You are forgiven. Jesus, the giver of rest. The land is a place of rest. In Genesis chapter 15, we read the following. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And he is frustrated, as we can see here. So many cattle, so much cattle, so many sheep and goats and donkeys, camels, and now no heir. He's old now, his wife is old now. What's the sense of everything if you have no child? And then God's answer. This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now to what heaven, and tell the stars if you be able to number them. 
And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. <laughs> You're childless. <laughs> then you look up into the sky in the night. You see all the stars and God says, hmm, that's, your, that's your seed. Millions. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But here we read, And Abram believed in the Lord. That's the surprising argument here. He believed in the Lord. And God counted it to him for righteousness. Because he believed in the unseen. And then, even then, God tells him what will go on centuries after that. He tells him in verse 13, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. The future is foretold. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, the ten plagues of Egypt. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. The Egyptians will give them presents so that they hurry away. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. He's childless. And he's foretold what will happen in 400 years. 500 years. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's God. Because of unbelief. We've just heard of Abraham's belief. He believed, although... He couldn't see anything which could tell him it is so as God has said to you. He was childless. And then millions should come out of his seat. And here, when these millions were in the wilderness, led by Moses, they were just at the border of the promised land. So, the entrance, in a way. And then spies were sent out, 12. Every tribe, one spy. They were noble men. And when they came back after 40 days, so they had to wait for a long time, the two men carried on a stick grapes reaching down to the ground. They were told of fig trees and olive trees, of vineyards, of fields full of grain. Ah, they wanted to go there today. But, but what? But the land is inhabited. There are giants living there. Tall men. And 
the walls of the cities, <laughs> like towers, the walls, we cannot conquer this land. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> Ten spies said so. But two spies said, yes, that's right. Giant man and, and the walls and, and so on and so on. But God promised this land to us. And with him, we will conquer. But the ten said, we've seen it with our eyes. It's impossible. No chance at all. And the two said, yeah, no chance by ourselves. But with God, we will eat them up like bread. <laughs> That's the message. So, whom should they believe? They are the ten and they are the two. Um, whom should I trust? Two said, believe in God. And ten said, forget about it. And the dream has gone. No more chance at all. Now what to do now? What to do now? And they believed in the unbelievers. And they did not believe the believers. Our headline of this day, because of unbelief. What happened then? Because of unbelief, God told them, 40 days, these spies had been in the land of Canaan for 40 days. Each day counts for one year. So for 40 years, you are not allowed to enter the promised land. You are not allowed to. It, it won't work. You can't because of unbelief. And all those who are older than 20 years, they will die in these 40 years in the wilderness. And none of them will see the promised land. For sure. And it happened like this. Today, if you hear his voice, don't be stubborn. Don't be stubborn. In Joshua 24, there was an assembly at Shechem. Joshua, the leader of the Israelites, he had conquered the promised land, and at the end of his life, we hear of Joshua's dying exodation. And he tells the story how they came here and how they got all the land. And then verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, if, it does not recommend it, but if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So there is not a sentence like this, and you have to serve the Lord. But he says, choose. Choose whom you want to trust. The gods of all the neighboring people around you? Or do you want to trust your God? For me and for my family, for my house, we will serve the Lord. So for me it's clear what to do. And you have to decide, you have to choose. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way when we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. So they Say, we want to serve the Lord. But then the surprising answer of Joshua, verse 19. You cannot serve the Lord. Hmm? You cannot? Oh, why not? For he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, nor your sins. It's not enough to... Make movements of the lips. That's not enough. You must act according to your sayings. And therefore he said, you cannot serve the Lord in this way, just telling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, we will want to do so. But in reality, you do just the opposite. And therefore he says, you cannot. And when Joshua and all the elders had died, who had seen all these wonders and signs, then a generation came up which forsake the Lord. And then they were in the hand of the enemies. So it's important to choose the right. Entering into his rest. Entering into his rest. In Hebrew, chapter 4, we read, in verse 9, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now this is a, an interesting verse, isn't it? There remains... What remains? A rest for his people. Now what's going on here? What does this mean? The first generation coming out of Egypt 
did not enter this rest. So the Holy Land was the rest for them. And they could not go there because of their unbelief. And the same will be with us. Only by belief we can enter this land of rest, the heavenly Jerusalem. Only then. So it's important to experience this rest by belief. So what happened down there? Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Labor to enter into the rest. So either you labor or you enter rest. Or by here it is written, labor to enter into that rest. So what kind of labor is that? Bringing your sins to Jesus. That is your work. Bringing your sins to Jesus. And repenting, asking him for forgiveness, and then he will. Do what is the best, what you can experience. He will forgive your sins. They will be extinct. Gone. Forever. No more there. The, the heavy load you carry on your shoulders, your sins, your past, gone thrown away by Jesus, the Lamb, if you bring it to him. Then you can enter into his rest. Because then you experience peace without being forgiven, no peace, no rest. And Jesus wants you to get there, to, to get there to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to enter into his rest. Because quality of life starts with entering into his rest. And if you do not experience this, you will have no quality of life. You can work and work and you, you can get goods and your house can be a big one and your car and so on. But you will not enter into his rest. That's not possible can't be because you need peace and peace you can only get when your sins are forgiven otherwise it's impossible can't be so this is our labor bringing our bad past that it is forgiven a foretaste of new creation. When we look at the Ten Commandments, for the first time they are in Exodus 20. And there we find out why we should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We read in verse 11, Exodus 20, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Sabbath, remembering creation. Now in the book Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, and then chapter 5, 
there is a repetition of the Ten Commandments. And there we read, why you should keep the Sabbath day holy. Verse 15. Remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out from there through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, there's something else written here. Why we should keep Sabbath day? At first, because of creation. Remembering, oh, God made everything. And then, because you've been a slave in Egypt. And this is a parable for our days. Being a slave of sin. We are slaves too. And God wants us to escape. To get out of this. And it's possible. If you come to him, he's the only one who can produce this freedom for you. Now this is very important to look at. Through creation, you come into being. Without being created, you won't be there. You're simply not a human being. So creation, you come into existence. Very important. Otherwise, your name is not there. And the second point, you live for some time, but then, what's going on then? After some time of living, you will be dead. And that's it. When you look at a tombstone, a name, a date, dash, a date. And that's it. So your life, a dash between this date, this year, and that year. That's it. That's all. That's all of your life. So, how can this life be prolonged? That it will be longer than just here, year, a dash, and then a year there. And that is when Jesus comes into relationship with you so that you answer because of his love to you. When you answer him, then your life will be prolonged. Summary. I was born on a farm, on the farm of my uncle, amid the Alps in Europe, Austria. And when there was a day of rest, my uncle worked during the week, but at the day of rest, he went out into the fields. And I often accompanied him with my cousins. And when he came to his field, barley or whatever, 
then I, I see him still. It's many years back. <laughs> he took this production, this creation of God into his hands and <laughs> smelt at it, touched it, looked at it, and he heard the wind in this field. And I looked at his face and it was pleased because in springtime he had thrown away <laughs> the little corns. And now, what had happened? It had grown and it had multiplied one up to four. There are many. One came into the earth, the ground, and so many came up. Multiplying factor. God. He produced fruit. And my uncle was happy just looking at it because he knew this means having something to eat. Bread. So God cares for our existence. He, he started our existence and he is the one who is able that our existence isn't just one for a few years, but that it will go on and on and on and on. That's love of God. That you can be in existence and that your existence is one that will never, ever end. It's wonderful to have such a God. He's interested that you are his companion in the universe. And he wants to show you his universe, what he created. He wants to show you how he has made it and how it works, how it functions. We have to learn. We will be learners, pupils. And we will be astonished when, when we discover, wow, oh, what an idea. And therefore, mm, we will discover new things daily, day by day, in eternity. How it will be a life full of quality, full of peace, full of love. A life that will never ever end because of his love towards us.